Hello everyone and welcome to When Life Gives You Lemons, our wee podcast about tackling and coping with some of life's challenges, hosted by me, Jenny McIntyre, and founder of Let's, Michael Byrne. Hello everybody and welcome to episode two of When Life Gives You Lemons. Um, It's me, Jenny McIntyre, and I'm joined by Michael Byrne. Um, I'd just like to start off this episode by thanking everybody for the overwhelming feedback we got from the first episode. Um, it was a bit mind-blowing. I didn't really expect to get so much from it. So thank you so much uh, for listening. And I, I really, truly hope it's, it's helping everybody. Um, so, so yes. How are you, Michael? I'm great, thanks. Um, great, Jenny. It's been a phenomenal week, as you said, since we released the, the podcast on uh, last Friday. The, as you said, the feedback's been fantastic and the amount of people who came back uh, saying they like the format, they like the content, it feels like a chat and it's really, really helpful. It's been fantastic, hasn't it? Yes, absolutely. Like I said, I, I, I was kind of a bit taken aback with the response that we got from it. So um, people kind of asking to, to listen to the second and third episode and I know we've kind of then looked into a few guests and things that we've got lined up so it's, it's a really exciting time it is and I, and I think it for me it's one of these things just now that shows you that had this never happened um you know what's going on around us this would never have happened either exactly and i think some, just now we really need to appreciate that you know okay we're we're maybe all feeling a little bit stir crazy or however we feel um but Actually, there are there are things, different things, and beautiful things that can happen as a result of what we're all going through, and uh, it's to be mindful of that. Absolutely, and I know we kind of touched on it, episode one, but it's that kind of being creative um, and kind of thinking outside the box on what we can be doing, how we can be progressing, and and hopefully this will continue for for long after normality kind of kicks in again. Definitely. I, I, uh, <clears throat> I wrote a couple of cheesy poems last week um, and uh, that's not like me. My poetry is normally because a lot of traumatic stuff in my life is, is generally um, self-critical or, or pretty dark, but I wrote two cheesy poems last week and, and one of them was about summertime as a child and uh, these things came out and it was like, you know, going to an ice cream van with a a cooking pot, there may be people who remember that and asking for like <laughs> 10 pence of ice cream and <laughs> nobody had freezers back there, but uh, just things like that all came out and it's just beautiful sometimes that, you know, you just as I said, it's different things come out of exactly what we're, we're all doing just now I know that it's tough in, in different ways, but there are beautiful things that can happen and uh, so I found it quite amusing that, you know diff- this, you know, as I was saying writing some poetry cooking some things that I've never cooked before, things like that. So my wife's loving it. Well, she's telling me it's good anyway. But <laughs> she's just um, and I know you'd said in our first episode that kind of having been through a mental breakdown in the past, it's helping you to deal with, with the lockdown. What what was it you meant by that? Yeah, I know that's a strange thing to say to people. Um and unless you've really had a mental health breakdown or struggled with your mental health, you won't get that. And I completely understand. It's you know, it's like if you've never been somewhere, you won't really know what it's like. Yeah. But for me, when when I had my mental health breakdown, and my mental health breakdown really began in April seventeen and lasted through to May eighteen. Uh, and I always say that you know, outside my son being born and stuff like that, that 
my mental health breakdown was the best and worst thing that ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. For 13 months it was torture, but actually it happening was probably the best thing that happened to me. But when you're struggling with your mental health, Jenny, you're, you're almost feeling like you're imprisoned by your brain or your mind and all of these negative thoughts and all of these voices that you hear will tell you, you know, they'll take you to catastrophize and they'll tell you the world's ending, your world's ending, you're worthless. And for me, it, I can't remember last week I said it drove me to the, to the precipice of suicide. But I let all of those voices and all of those thoughts dictate to me that my world was ending. And so I could never escape that. So it all it felt like an actual lockdown because you can't get out, you couldn't escape your mind. You can't get out of your out of the thoughts that are um, coming to you, and you can't escape them. And then once you get out of that, as I, you know, as we spoke, I think I maybe spoke last week about the cars and the tips yeah. and the blue cars and some that tips about overcoming some of those um, thoughts and, and so on. Once you start taking control of that, it become you see the door opening and you can get, you can, you know, make your escape from your mind and start taking control of your life. So this, going through this physical lockdown, for me, is far easier than a mental health lockdown because that experience that I've had for the majority of my life, but actually going through the breakdown, was really, really, um, well, it's a fantastic experience, but as I said, it's one of the worst things that ever happened to me. Sure. But going through the physical lockdown, it's a great experience to draw upon because just now a lot of people will be going to that stage of catastrophe of, you know, Every day we're hearing a certain amount of people who have passed away. We're hearing the worst and the worst and the worst. So mm -hmm. it would be only natural for us to go to, oh, my goodness, the, the world's ending and so on. And, and But the reality is that it's not. But when you've had a mental health breakdown or you struggle with your mental health, you're used to that. Yeah. So now when you have a physical breakdown, yeah, sorry, physical lockdown, you'd realise that this is actually somewhat easier because you at least can go out for an hour. You can talk to family. You can still communicate in some ways. Um, but that experience that you've had with a mental health breakdown and lockdown means that you're actually pretty well equipped to deal with the physical lockdown just now. I know that sounds absurd. No, but and I suppose it's, I it's given you that it's, opportunity it's, to build a resilience almost. Absolutely, and it's to, to be able to experience as well as, as we're doing today. And, uh, I, I, you know, I'm guest on a couple other panels to talk about stuff like this that... Um, you know, because the majority of people don't and haven't struggled with their mental health. They say the statistic is one in four at any given time. Um, so most people don't actually know what it's like to struggle with your mental health, to really be in that breakdown and lockdown mode. And the nearest you can probably come to it is this physical lockdown where you're told you can't escape your house, you can't get out, you can't do all of these things. Mm -hmm. But actually, that's a lot like a mental health breakdown because you can't get out, you know, you can't escape everything that's going on around you. So mm -hmm. it's an invaluable experience, not one that I would wish on anyone, I have to say, but if, if if by doing things like this, we can share our experiences to say to people, look, you know, there is hope, it's not the end of the world, we don't have to catastrophize. it's only natural that you have these thoughts, but the reality and the sort of way of looking at it is that we will all come through this. Absolutely, and it's, it's not forever. It's what we've got to remember. No, it's not. It's like anything else. When you struggle with your mental health, you think that it's always going to be like this. Nobody can help you. There's never going to be a cure. Um, but it's different. But you just don't think that at the time. And it's not until you start to overcome your thoughts and become more pragmatic about the situation that you're in that you realise that this is just a short-term thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely a short-term thing. We have to go through it to get to the end of it. And when we get to the end of it, we will all probably be better for it and have learned so many things about ourselves, our family and our lives. Yeah, yeah. 
And I know you say that your kind of the start of your mental breakdown was kind of was it May two thousand and seventeen? You said April seventeen. April yeah. seventeen. Sorry. And had you oh. ever kind of experienced any mental health issues prior to that? Um, essentially, what's kind of led to that breakdown? Um, was it a build up of different experiences, or or what kind of brought you to that place? Yeah, there were there were a lot of instances in my life, and, and like a lot of people, so my you know I don't view my life as any better or worse or different from a lot of people. Um, you know, I'm I'm fifty years old, and I think that there are a lot of people in my age who came, who grew up probably with a similar um, background as I did when I was growing up, with psychological physical abuse by both my parents and so on, and. I know that it's inexcusable, physical abuse is inexcusable, but for me back then, I look back and think it probably was a generational thing and my parents were probably abused uh, by their parents and it was just a, you know, a, a rite of passage as a growing up thing or whatever, I'm not sure. But anyway, it's no, no different probably from a lot of people, but that kind of set the foundations for me of not being able to talk about my feelings or anything like that because I was scared that if I told anyone I was being abused, then... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would be taken away. I would never, you know, it wouldn't be a good result for mm-hmm. me. And that led to me really being quite insular about a lot of things and feeling that I was at risk if I ever spoke about my feelings and, and my emotions to anyone. So that mm-hmm. kind of set the template for me at a very, very early age. And then as my life was progressing, I was involved in, in quite a few traumatic events. And um, the kind of the highlights of the lowlights, if you like, would mm-hmm. be when I was 26. Uh, my father was murdered. Um, he was beaten to death in his home in a, a flat in the Gorbals in Glasgow, and he was beaten to death. And, um, you know, I, I kind of talk a lot about that. I found out on a Thursday night, and I went to work on the Friday morning. Wow. Everyone always finds that completely absurd. Yeah. But what it actually was is when I was a child and I was being abused and so on, I would always want to go to school because I was safer in school than at home. And when that happened with my father, I went to work the next morning. And I went to work the next morning just because I had that learned behaviour almost of, if I'm at work, I don't need to deal with the kind of reality. And that's actually what happened with me. I was 26. I was kind of West of Scotland boy. I wasn't going to talk to anyone about my feelings, my emotions and so on. So I kept it all in as... It's the beautiful South, I think, <laughs> created a song called that. <laughs> and um, I wouldn't speak to anyone. I wouldn't talk about it. And anyway, they found the murderer and the court case and all of that happened. And I kept it all in. I wouldn't speak to anyone because I feared people's judgment. I feared people would judge me for it and look at me differently. And, you know, oh, there's that guy who's father, blah, blah, blah. So I buried it all. And I just kept as as much as I could just going about my normal life. Um and I was married at that time, and that marriage just quickly fell apart because, you know, I just wasn't communicating. I was shutting down and mm-hmm. turning to alcohol just really as a as a coping mechanism, as a lot of people do. Um, and I continued on in that vein for a couple of years. It was all about self-sabotaging me, wanting to feel something other than the, the pain that I was in. Um, and things just manifested like that. A few years later, uh, I got into a relationship, first serious relationship after... Uh, being divorced and so on and um, we lost twins um, so that was devastating um, I found it on a Sunday and on a Monday I went to work again um, and I went to work again and that was difficult for me but all I was doing was creating exactly the same pattern as I'd done before where I wouldn't talk about it 
and my mental health was suffering. And uh, but I didn't want to t- talk to him. I didn't want to admit that I had a problem. And the relationship ended really quickly after that. So um, thereafter, that really led me to um, self sabotage. I was, you know, partying like Paul Gascoigne, you know, yeah. <laughs> just because I just wanted to hide the pain and I didn't want to talk to anyone. Um, but just fast forward in a few years, probably what one of the things that most people will, will remember is that um, on the 29th of November 2013, uh, I was standing in a cluster bar when the helicopter landed on top of us. Um, and no matter what you've been through in your life, um, you know, nothing prepares you for um, the, the events that happened that night. And again, absurdly, it was a Friday night and on a Monday morning, I went to work again just to kind of try and show the world that I'm okay and pretend mm-hmm. and have this facade to people that I'm okay. Um, and it's one of the biggest professional and you know personal mistakes I've ever made. Rather than seek help, uh, I didn't. Uh, I went to work and just tried to bury it all. Um, and that continued for a couple of years after that. I began to get really suicidal. Um, couldn't cope with everything that was going on around me. And then on the 1st of April, 17. I was involved in a car crash uh, and someone hit me side on and a couple of days later I was in hospital with a suspected stroke and uh, that was really the beginning of my breakdown and um, what was happening was my mind was going on in this continual movie and um, Jenny of the bang of the car crash was taking me to the bang of the cluster with the helicopter crash mm-hmm. uh, the scenes that I witnessed that night and unfortunately bereavements and so on um, took me to uh, my father's murder and I had to go and identify his body he was 48 when he was murdered I was just about to turn 48 so pretty devastating uh, sequence of events going on in my mind and I just started my mental health breakdown and because I had never asked for help at any point in my life I never knew how to ask for help um, so my personality changed, my character changed, and the hope that someone would say, you know, you need help, I can help you. Uh, and unfortunately, that didn't happen, and hence I went headfirst into a full mental health breakdown. Um, I was subsequently diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress disorder and then started my recovery, and it was fantastic. As I said, um, going through that was most, probably one of the most difficult things, but actually coming out of it, was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I no longer had all those fears of people's judgment. Mm-hmm. I had to keep things private. And indeed... And it stopped you from reaching out from help, for help, do you think? Like the kind of the pride thing. I know you'd said about being a, a West Coast um, male. Is that what made you not want to talk or reach out for help at certain points in your life? I think it, for me, I think it was that early age uh, it was put into my character early is that you just don't talk about it. It's not what boys do. It's not what men do. And But mixed in with all that, Jenny, was shame and fear of judgment. Um, because, you know, there are, uh, you know, all these sayings that you hear, you know, a man up and boys don't cry and all of those sort of things that, you know, if, you're a, if you were a child of a certain age, you would have all of these voices resonating in your head to say, mm-hmm. You know, boys don't cry. We don't talk about stuff. We, you know, man up and stiff up a lip. And, you know, we only talk about, you know, sports and politics and partners or whatever. We don't talk about what goes on in our private lives because that's not what we do. And, but predominantly fear and fear of judgment and the shame of really actually opening up and talking to someone about all of these things because I, 
I just felt probably embarrassed and I was just really scared of people judging me and seeing me differently and I'd built up this facade of a big, happy, smiley, confident, you know, guy. Um, and ironically, the worse my private life was, the better my professional career was because I would just work longer hours mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so that I didn't have to deal with all of the things going on. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but what I would say, Jenny, is that it's it's all rubbish. Um, and, you know, when I came out of my breakdown and, okay, you know, maybe 47 years old, it was only at that point that I realised I've got no reason to fear anyone's judgment, no reason to be ashamed, no reason to feel fear. And it's only when you start understanding and believing all of that um, that you can start to truly be yourself. And that's one of the things that overriding for me is that it's just to be yourself. I can't, no, no one can change the past. We can't change what we did 20 minutes ago, never mind 20 years ago. Exactly. Um, But it's to just be you and not be impinged by you know, the pressure's put on by other people about what you should feel, what you should think, what you should do. Um, you don't have to do all of those things, you know. And I suppose for you, like you said, it's been an invaluable experience for you. What are the kind of main things that you've learned and taken away from, from your breakdown? I suppose that one of the main, you know, the things that I've learned are don't believe what people tell you. Um, particularly, you know, when you're growing up and people say you should do this, you should do that. Mm-hmm. Do what matters to yourself and do what's right for yourself because there is no right and wrong. And what one thing I always think, if you have a decision to make or you're feeling a certain way and you're, you, know, you want to do something or you want to seek treatment, don't be misled by what other people think you should do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I let people, you know, influence me in a way that I should never have let happen. And I wish I'd sought help at an early age, but I wish I didn't have all of these thoughts going on in my head saying, guys, don't talk. You're going to be this. You're going to like that. What you have to do is what you need to do at that moment in time. And mm-hmm. if you feel it's the right thing to do, it absolutely is the right thing to do. What we never know is, is what the future is, is going to be like. You know, so, um, you know, if, you, if you've got a decision to make, if you're looking, going to reach out for help and you're not sure to do it, always do it. I would recommend to do it because um, don't worry about the future you or if you're, we're all crippled sometimes by what if it's the wrong thing? What if, what if, what if? Forget about what if. What if doesn't matter. It's the here and now that matters more than anything else because you don't know what the future you is going to be like. Um, and it's all of that. So for me, it's more about do what's right, do what you feel is the right thing uh, and never fear anyone's judgment and never feel shame for if you've been through things. You know, there's loads of people who have been through far worse things than me. Um, But that's what I would always say. But what I would always say to potential employers and clients and so on is that see past the person in front of you because we generally always put up a mask or we put up a facade and we say, oh, everything's great, I'm fine, I'm great. Um, the reality is, is that most of the time we may not be and um, we're just perhaps too ashamed or we've not got the right uh, environment to actually say, look, I, I'm, I'm struggling. I would, do you think you could help me? Um, and it's just to be a bit more caring uh, as people, you know, and I think that's really coming out just now in a lot of people. It's to actually just be a bit more caring about friends and family or work colleagues, about mm-hmm. who the real person is in front of you um, and look after them. Yeah, a friend of mine actually tells a great story and it's when a when a plane is is going to crash and you're to put on your seatbelt you put your own seatbelt on first because if you don't and you don't look after yourself first how on earth do you expect to be able to look after anybody else or help anybody else if you if you've not helped yourself 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think everyone gets told that on an airplane, um, but we don't actually do that, you know, in real life. Um, yeah. But you know, the way I, the way I look at it, um, Jenny, is that I I absolutely love what I do now. Um, without me having gone through all of those things in my life, that I wouldn't wish on anyone. As I said, other people have been through it far worse. Um, but without going through all of those things, I wouldn't be the person I am now. And I really like the person I am now in terms of my mind. I'm not trapped in my mind, you know, like this mm-hmm. lockdown that I said. Uh, I'm free in my own business to do what I want. Um, and I don't have to fear anyone's judgment and so on. Mm-hmm. And it is incredibly liberating for me. Uh, whereas before, you'd be trapped by the fear of what someone may think of you, whether that's through your appearance, what you say and so on. Now, uh, it's incredibly liberating uh, to have went through that breakdown now be now, you know run my own business have written poetry books and a couple other things lined up and it's just incredibly liberating and I'm always humbled when um, someone asks me for help um, I had this experience about a year and a half ago I was doing a talk in the Radisson Blue and um, anyway finished came off and I got a standing ovation. It was the first time I'd ever got a standing ovation. And being a typical Glasgow guy, I didn't know what to do. Right? So I was kind of saying, oh, sit down, away you go. And, and uh, I was kind of laughing away saying, sit down. And uh, so I just kind of took my seat. And then five minutes later, this guy came up to me and said, uh, that was fantastic. I need help. Can you help me? And it's probably one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had where I, you know, this guy thought that I would be able to help him. Um mm-hmm. And we did some work together and it kind of went from there. But uh, I'm always amazed and humbled by that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a significant part of what I do is that ability to help people in terms of the way I always look at it and the way we do things in our business is that see when you're struggling with something, you generally want to talk to somebody who's been through something similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really just as simple as that. Um, and that's what we build on and that's what I think resonates with a lot of people when I'll do a talk or something like that because there'll be people in the audience who have been through something similar. Um, and I, I was doing a talk just before all of this came down uh, in the Corinthian in Glasgow. And as I was doing a talk, I could see this lady. She's just crying all the way through my talk. Um, so I finished and I went over to her and I said, look, you okay? Is everything okay? And she said to me, Michael, I was physically abused as a child as well. And you're the first person I'd know that, that I've known that has openly stood up in front of a big audience like this and spoke about it. And I'm just crying tears of joy. And it was just an incredible, you know, real impact on me. And it's just a beautiful moment. And it's just incredible when these things happen. Absolutely. And is that, so I know you've set up your, your mental health business and things now. And um, you're obviously really busy kind of with your talks and you're helping kids, you work with companies and, and different things. Is that why you decided to, to set up the mental health business? Was it was it to reach out and help people um, to kind of, to make them see that there is kind of light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, absolutely, 100%. Um, Jenny, I mean, one of the reasons, well, the main reason I set it up was because I believe that a lot of businesses could benefit from a culture change with regards to mental health within the workplace. Mm-hmm. And if I could share my experiences of how over my career, 30 odd years in, in, in the corporate world, how I hid my mental health or some of the things that would have helped me to actually communicate about the struggles and also help employers to actually spot the signs. You know, if an employee comes into work um, two days after a cluster disaster, here are some things that you might want to have done, you know, or can, you know, 
metaphoric the, the person's own clitoris disaster. But here's some things that you might want to do. So mm-hmm. we do a lot of work around that, uh, and we also do you know the mental health awareness training, mental health first aid, uh, and mental health managers and so on. But it's all from the perspective of the academic part, but my lived experiences or our lived experiences, because as I've said, you generally kind of beat people's own lived experiences. But it is all about to say to people, look, see if you struggle with your mental health, it's not the end of the road for you. Yeah. And if you're an employer, absolutely. And if you're an employer and you have a member of staff struggling with their mental health, you don't need to um, end their employment. All you need to do is help them through it and they'll still be an incredibly valuable member of staff. And Mm -hmm. the statistics show that over 300,000 people a year in the UK lose their job to mental health related issues, whether they leave or whether they're forced to leave by employers. Uh, and that's a lot of people. That's half the population of Glasgow every year losing their job through uh, mental illness. And so it's, it's great. It's not about preaching. It's just about saying, like, you know, from the perspective of the corporate world, here's some things you may want to think about. From the perspective of someone who's struggling as an employee, here's how we would like to maybe speak to the employer about it. And we offer a whole range of services. But anyway, it's not a sales pitch, but it's just unique in what it does in terms of seeing it from the perspective of, look, Here's a guy who set up a company who's been through all of these events and managed to, um, you know, get to a high position within the corporate world. Knows what it feels like both as an employer and an employee. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we we all have mental health, whether it's good or bad, and it'll go in waves. Of sometimes it'll be great for a while, sometimes it might not be great. Um, mm-hmm. And it's about just saying, look, there are people who can help. We don't need to be the way it was when I was growing up and saying or oh, I better just keep this in a closet, or I don't really want to talk about it. Um, but there are people who are now, like I said, willing to share their experiences and say, look, you know, we can get through this. Yeah. Well, I have the absolute utmost respect and admiration for you to be able to, to get up and, and talk about all your traumatic experiences. And I know from feedback that we've had, and um, I know you were meant to be kind of speaking at an event that, that Training First were running, um, you're, you're doing an absolutely fantastic job. Um, so you definitely... I appreciate you saying that, but I think, you know, we all are. Uh, and then this time, you know, the, the you know what we're in amongst us now, if my experience and us doing something like this helps anyone, um, I think that all too often, in particular when you're struggling with your mental health, you think you're the only person. Your mind tells you that no one will understand you and there's no point in talking to anyone. No one really knows but as I, as we'd said last week, these are just thoughts. But don't don't believe them because um, your brain isn't your friend. Um, and when you start to realise that at any given time, one in four people are struggling with their mental health. Um, so if you just take that in Scotland's population, that's one and a half million people right here, right now. Whenever you're listening to this, are struggling with their mental health. And that's before we even get to talking about lockdown. So the last mm-hmm. thing you are is alone actually got an amazing community out there you just don't know it and that's you know we try and create that community of when people engage with us to say look you know you're not alone here's me i've done this and 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 it's incredibly empowering when you talk to people who are open about some of their experiences they've got through and it's incredibly motivating as well to think i can get through this as well yeah yeah absolutely um thank you so much for sharing all your experiences and, and your story and your journey um it's been really interesting to find out and I know we like speak quite quite often but but it's not something I've heard yet is, is your story so thank you so much Michael. No Jenny you're more than welcome thanks for 
asking about the questions. As, as I said, it's, for me, it's not about, oh, here's my story, or look how great I am. I actually don't see it like that. All I see it as is, here are some lessons that I've learned. Yeah, here are some sure. things that I've learned. Uh, it's not to preach to anyone you should do this, because we're all, as I've said at the beginning, we're all individuals and we all have our own uh, trials and tribulations to get through. All I try and do is say, look, here was the, the kind of error of my ways. Here's the things that I wish I had done better. Uh, and now that we are in a far more connected world, there are improvements that we could make. Um, but I don't see my journey as any more special or, or better or worse than than anyone else's. Um, and it's just, you know, I'm delighted that I've managed to get to the stage that I am now. You know, when I, when I uh, got to May 18, it was the last month of my breakdown, I just didn't know it at that point. Uh, that's when I decided to end my life and through various things that didn't happen and I'm glad that I didn't um, you know I I believe that the world would be better off without me and you know uh, and so on and those thoughts I let those thoughts tell me what to do and those thoughts took me to the edge of you know of wanting to complete suicide and I'm delighted that I didn't as I said I'm happier now in my life than I've ever been not because I've got a Mary Poppins life I absolutely don't I have the same daily struggles as everyone else but what sure. I don't have is all of those fears of judgment and so on inside me now that, that crippled me for so many years and a lot, yeah. of, and a lot of people. You've kind of set yourself free almost. Absolutely. I think I said last week about Mandela. You know, it's like, see, once you realise that you don't need to be imprisoned by your mind, you're free to be anywhere you want to be because there's a, a famous quote, again, I know I'm talking about my quotes, I kind of like them all, but... Is it's like something along the lines of you're only imprisoned by the, the walls you build around yourself. Um, and I, I know, and I, and I like all of those things. Anything's possible when you believe. I, I, I believe in all of those things. Um, and again, if someone had told me five years ago, I would have went through a breakdown. I would have set up my own business. I would have been an author. I would have been blah blah blah. I wouldn't have believed them. But anything is possible, and everything's possible. You know. Exactly. And there's a, just to kind of match you on the, on the sayings, there's um, insanity is repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So by you going through all these traumatic experiences and getting up the next day and going to your work and kind of expecting that that will they'll make everything okay, it's almost then led to, to your mental breakdown. Absolutely, and I kind of say, you know, you can only get a pint of milk from a pint of milk. And the foolish mistake that I made is that I believed that as every event happened to me, so I always used my father's murder pretty much as, well, I got through that, I can get through anything else. Yep. You know, that was the standard. I got through that, I can get through everything else. Uh, but what I didn't realise, Jenny, and a lot of people probably don't do, is that you don't realise the cumulative effect that everything have, has on you. I believed that because I had that, I could get through that, then I would be strong enough to get through everything else. Um, you know, it's a bit like, you know, when you do your weight training and you think, well, if I can lift a 100 kilos, I can do all these other things. But you can't because, you know, that lifting that 100 kilos takes effect on your body and weakens mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't realise that. I thought that because I got through this murder, I could get through loss of twins. I could get through, you know, the closer and so on. But what you don't realise is that as I said, you can only get a pint of milk from a pint of milk. Mm -hmm. um, and now I do realise that. Um, no, that's thank you so much, Michael. It's kind of really opened my eyes um, to that. And the one thing I would say, Jenny, is that, just on a final note, it is that we all judge by what we see. Okay, now I know that we're doing this 
as a podcast so people can't see us. Uh, but I always fooled people into believing that I was okay, as I said, because I would turn up and I would clean shaven, have a smile, would look confident with that confident. And that was my buffer to stop anyone from getting in to see the real me. Yeah. And what I would really urge people, as I said maybe a couple of minutes ago, is that see beyond that. There are so many famous people who have a character like Robin Williams and so on that make people laugh and so on. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a facade. Um, so don't always believe what you see in front of you. The people who perhaps need the most help are the ones that you think need the least. Yeah. And especially, like you say, you were um, one in four experience um, mental health issues at any given time, but that's not taken into account this lockdown. So now's a time more than ever to be reaching out to people to make sure that they're okay. And Absolutely, and, and reaching um, out for yourself. I know we, we covered that um, last week, but, you know, there's absolutely no shame just now in admitting to anyone or reaching out to anyone saying, you know what, I'm kind of struggling. This is having an effect on me because yeah. it is having an effect. There's, there's no two ways about that. And, you know, there are people like you and I and other businesses who are here to help. Um, this is an extraordinary time, but there are extraordinary people who can help um, to get through it. Um, and I think it's just remembering, reminding yourself that actually if you are struggling, first of all, it's great that you've recognised that you're struggling. Secondly, do something about it. Reach that out to help. someone. That can be us. It can be through the podcast. It can be... And then um, don't feel any so shame in it. Don't feel any judgment because you know, I think it's going to be a minority uh, who actually come out of this you know, who may say, oh, no, I didn't struggle, but everyone's going to struggle in yeah, some way with this. Absolutely. Um, and I think to kind of mask over it is it's not going to help you or, or anybody else around you. So it's kind of identifying it, facing it head on and, and reaching out. De- definitely. I couldn't put it better myself, Jenny. You know, there's absolutely um, no harm in, in reaching out for help because, you know, if we didn't want to help people, we wouldn't be doing this. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and it's, do you know, Michael, it's helping me as well doing this. I'm glad, to, I'm glad, Jenny, as I say, that's, um, I think, you know, sometimes you just never know where you're going to take a help from or where, you know, sometimes it can be in a page of a book or it can be something you see on the TV or it can be a one-line chat you've had with someone. Um, and I think it's incredible when that happens because what it shows to me is that the person's open to receiving yeah. it. You know, I remember when, you know, I was coming out of my bake down and I was walking along Paisley Road West in Glasgow. Um, no going to a football match or anything <laughs> like that. Happened to, I just happened to be there. I was going to town I parked my car. And I seen this bus. And on the bus, you know, you get this bus signage. Yeah. And on the bus it said, your time is now. Now, I have no idea what it was an advert for. It could have been a mobile phone. It could have been a watch or a clock or anything like that. And I tried to get my phone out to take a photograph of it. But by seeing that sign, I walked away thinking, do you know what? My time is now. And it just changed my mentality. You know, not in a Billy Big Boots, my time is now, but do you know what? This is my time now. I okay. And and I see those things and, and I and I kinda try and read the message into it, you know, and uh, it's just the way I am now, just in a in a positive way all the time of trying to take signs from things I read or see and so on, you know, especially during this time. But you know, if you're open to it and you're open to help, absolutely there, there's loads of people who can help and you know I'm more than happy to help in any way I can that's through this podcast or, or any way um and reach out because we're in for me I said it last night we're in week three now and well done everybody getting oh, to yeah, week like three well done 
Absolutely. Um, and we'll see what, what happens over the next few weeks, whether the, we're tightening the belt and strict to lockdown or kind of loosen off. And um, we'll continue to, to release these episodes every week. And, and I really hope that they're helping everybody. Definitely, as if you said, uh, as you said at the beginning, I've got some cracking guests yeah, uh, lined I'm up really who've got. Forward to the next few weeks. Yeah, we've got some brilliant guests and their stories as well. Of you know, and some of these things, motivational, inspirational. But you know, the best thing about it, Jenny, is it's real life yeah. people, and it makes it um, all the more you know, relatable. People like you and I. Yeah. Um... No superstars coming on saying, "Oh, I'm this and I'm that." It's. It's just regular people who have just achieved some or overcame some fantastic things that, you know, is, for me, I, I admire them as, as human beings more than anything else just to have come through some adversities like we all have. And I think those are the stories and the spirits and um, stories that are going to give people the spirit to, to keep going through this, you know, because we are all in it yes. together. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I can't thank you enough for for sharing that all with us today. Um next episode will be out so we're going to release it every Friday um, and yep. on each kind of platform that you can listen to the podcast on there's a wee follow or subscribe now button so please click it um, and do please keep listening because um, we really do appreciate it <laughs>